Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Starting in July 2021, the meeting will be hybrid. You will still be able to attend the meeting via Zoom. Please go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Uh, now's the time for me to uh, qualify. Um, my name is Frank. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, I came into program in uh, July 3rd of 1983. I apologize in advance for any redundancy for those of you who have heard me before. Uh, all I ask is if you get bored and you start texting your friends, turn off your video so I, I, I won't be distracted by you doing something else besides listening to me. Um, so I came in the program because I couldn't stop eating. Primarily, I was eating, uh, well, I was eating all day. I would have breakfast, mid-morning snack, lunch, mid-afternoon snack, dinner, and then I'd sit down in front of the TV, uh, you know, around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night and start eating again. My weight was going up and up. I'd struggled with it my whole life as a kid. I was always the fattest kid in the class. Uh, so uh, I moved to Los Angeles in 1982. I was assigned there uh, as a it was my first year of priesthood. I'm, a, I'm an ordained Roman Catholic priest. Uh, I've been a priest for 39 years. I've been in program for 38 years. Uh, what's significant is that the, uh, the program uh, really kicked in as a spiritual way of life uh, right after I got ordained. Uh, and, um, and it's because uh, my first year in L.A., new place, I came from the East Coast, uh, was incredibly stressful, and I couldn't stop eating. So a guy rings the doorbell, says he uh, used to weigh 400 pounds. He's a normal body weight. He says he's there to make amends to the Catholic Church because he blamed the Catholic Church for ruining his life. He realized he was wrong. He wants to make amends. What I take as amends, I say, what's this amends thing? He tells me, and he's in uh, Overeaters Anonymous. I tell him I'm worried about my weight, that it won't, uh, I can't stop. It's going up. Um, and he says, there's a great meeting down the street. Uh, I lived on Ohio Street. I walked down to the maintainers meeting the next Saturday, July 3rd, 1983. I've been coming to a Saturday morning meeting ever since, including, uh, when I lived in, uh, when I lived in LA, I would go to the kitchen sink meeting. I moved from LA in, uh, 2010. Uh, I, I came back. I, so here's, here's a, here's my brief history. Uh, came into program in LA, was there for 10 years. Moved to Washington DC, was in program there for seven years. Great program. I was abstinent. I had about 21 years of abstinence starting around 1986. Uh, then I moved back to LA and, uh, uh, was going to the kitchen sink meeting. I was there basically in the aughts. Uh, 2010, I moved to Boston. Program was shaky. Program got shaky when I hit around 50. Uh, let's just say it was a midlife crisis. I won't go into the whole thing there. And, and I relapsed. After 21 years of solid abstinence, good weight loss, I looked, I looked normal. Um, I relapsed. Uh, I was up and down. Um, so about four years ago, I was visiting L.A., and I was at the kitchen sink meeting. 
and I saw two people who I've known for years, long timers, after the meeting, they're talking to each other. I notice both of them have lost weight. I walk over to them. I said, what did you do? So the one guy says, well, I've been using this app on my phone for my food plan. I said, oh, really? And the woman standing next to him says, I've been doing the same thing. I say, oh, really? So then I start using the app. So for the past 1,744 days, I've been using this app to track my food, and I send it at night to my food sponsor so I have some accountability for what I'm eating. It keeps me conscious, aware, cognizant, mindful of what I'm eating during the day. And uh, But that's not the program. That's just my food plan. Um, let's talk about the program. I want to get into the steps. How do I work the steps and the principles? Because you notice the 12th step says we practice these principles in all our affairs. You can find the principles in, in the big book uh, starting on page uh, 103. I'm sorry, the OA 12 and 12 starting on page around 103, 104, 105, 106 in the step 12 part. It goes through what all the principles are. And so I want to talk about those principles and how I use them, how I work them in my, in my program. So um, I get up there, first thing I do every morning before I get out of bed and or on my knees by the side of my bed, I do the third step prayer. So um, I turn my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand and I ask for direction. The principle behind step three is faith. So I believe that there is a power greater than myself that, that can help me. Uh, I heard at a meeting a great little analogy. Uh, faith is uh, looking up at the tightrope walker, standing on the platform, holding the handles of a wheelbarrow, about to walk out on the tightrope. Trust is giving in the wheelbarrow. So I trust that my higher power is going to be with me throughout the day and give me direction. And when I stick to that, when I really try and follow my higher power's direction throughout my day, my day always goes better. I didn't think a whole lot about this pitch this morning. I just turned it over to my higher power, and but I knew I wanted to talk about the, the principles. So uh, after I do the third step prayer, I have other prayers I do. I do meditation. So that brings us to uh, step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understand them. The principle there is spiritual awareness. Nowadays, people call that mindfulness. But what it, basically what it means to me is that I'm not running the show anymore. I'm seeking the direction by this conscious contact with a higher power. So whenever I go through the day, when I go through the day, whenever I have a decision to make, I ask my higher power, what's the next thing that I'm supposed to do? What do you want me to do next? And then I do that, and it goes better. And and it's amazing how my higher power, God, as I choose to call him, uh, will orchestrate my day so that it's a better day than if I were trying to run it myself. Because I'm a compulsive person, and I'm always going to try and do too many things, and I'm going to jump to try and do something to make, you know, because i got to fix this, when in fact it's not the time yet to do that. So I have to have the spiritual awareness to listen for my higher power, power's guidance. And that happens during the 11 minutes of meditation I do in the morning. 
my sponsor said, do 11 minutes of meditation uh, in honor of the 11th step. And so I, I do a moving meditation. I learn Qigong and Tai Chi, and I use that as my kind of meditation practice. But I use it to open myself up to listen to my higher power about everything. How should I get dressed today? What shirt do you want me to wear today? I mean, you know, I'll, I'll get down to the granule level. But the other thing that happens during that meditation period brings us to step uh, to, to, to like the steps four through nine part. Because what will often happen during that meditation is that the feelings that I have suppressed, that are the feelings I used to eat over, will pop up during the meditation. Sometimes it's a, 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 a physical reaction. Oh, where'd that come from? And it's the anger from three days ago. And so I'll do the seven-step prayer. And I'll say, God, please remove from me this anger, please. And then I'll pray for the person I'm angry at. And so it's it's like you know, I have to, I'm, I'm I'm during that what's happening step six and seven. I'm willing willingness is the principle behind step six to have the anger removed because I don't want that toxicity in my body or spirit. I don't want that feeling to push me to eat. And then I do the seven-step prayer. And in the seven-step prayer, uh, which you can find in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I ask God to remove that defect of character, and I ask God to replace it with something more positive. And, uh, and if I'm angry at a person, if I'm resentful at a person, the program has taught me to pray for that person. Um, so that um, the principle behind step seven is humility. In other words, I have to get out of my own way. Uh, I have to ask God to to uh, 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 take away this. I have to let go of, be willing to let go of the character defect. And not think, like with anger, it's easy to think, well, I'm righteous and I should I should be able to exact justice and revenge. But, you know, that's really not uh, exactly what God may lead me to. So I have to have the humility to let go of that and, and, and let God replace that. And then after, uh, both probably before and after, I have three sponsees that call me in the morning, one at 7.15, one at 8, one at 9. They, they all get a maximum of 15 minutes. And during that time uh, is when I get to practice the principle behind step one, which is honesty. Because what happens is, as they're telling me about their program, as we're reading from the Daily Reader, as we're talking about our lives, I have to be honest with them about my feelings, my recovery, my experience, and I have to listen to them. So the principle behind step one is honesty. The first honesty is just admitting that I, that I can't control my eating. My... um. What I'm striving for, my goal, is to eat like a gentleman. Some of you have heard me say this. My definition of eating like a gentleman is when I stand up at the end of the meal, I don't have food on the floor or on my clothes. And I've learned that there are certain foods I can't eat like a gentleman. I can't eat popcorn like a gentleman. So I've just given popcorn up, and I don't eat that anymore. I have to be honest that I, I have this disease. So that's the principle behind uh, step one. Um, 
when I when I listen to my sponsees, when I listen to you, when I go to meetings, uh, I get hope, which is the principle behind step two. Uh, I heard hope defined in the program as hearing other people's experience. So for a little while, I was in Berkeley, and during that little while, I met a guy at a meeting in Berkeley. He was a short guy. He's about five foot three. He weighed almost 400 pounds. And uh, uh, it turns out that with about the same time he was moving from, he graduated from Berkeley. He was moving to D.C. to take a job. I was moving from, from California to, to start a new position in uh, uh, Washington, D.C. So we kind of moved together, and I became his sponsor. I just had a little more time in the program than he did. He needed somebody. Well, anyway, this guy lost all his weight. He's a normal weight. He got married to somebody in program. They've got five kids. Very successful career as a teacher. Uh, and he's still keeping his weight off. This was like, I don't know, this was in the 1990s when, when, when all this happened. Like 1991 is when I moved to D.C. So, you know, hearing, knowing him, and I'm still in touch with him, knowing him gives me hope. Hearing other people's experience, hearing his experience of losing all that weight and still keeping it off. And all the other people that I know, it gives me hope hearing other people's experience. So I, I believe that there is a power greater than myself that can help me, that can be sane, you know, restore me to sanity. I didn't like that thing about restore me to sanity in the beginning because I said, I'm not insane. But then I redefined it, a sound mind and a sound body, a healthy mind and a healthy body. I did not have a healthy body. And the longer I stayed in program, the more I realized I didn't really have a healthy mind. And the, the program and practicing these principles in all my affairs. You know, we read in that how it works at the end. It says principles we have set down, which are guides to progress. So what I'm talking about here today is those principles that guide our progress in the program. So let's see what I've left out. Oh, step eight. The principle behind step eight is self-discipline. Now, when I tried to do the principles from memory, this is the old, this is the one I always forget. You know why? Because I'm not particularly good at it. And I also, for years, didn't believe it had any place in OA. Because, like, God's supposed to do everything. You know, why do I have to discipline myself if God is going to? Well, the fact is I have to cooperate with God. I have to do the footwork. And so self-discipline means I follow a food plan. You know, if I commit to something, then I don't do it. And 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 where the power for that self-discipline. Thank you. Where Sorry. the power for that self-discipline comes from is the power greater than myself. So I actually can, like, follow the follow the whatever the I've said I'm going to do, which, by the way, doing what I say, walking the talk, being true to my word is integrity. And integrity is the principle behind step five, where, where you know, I basically uh, get to know who I am. I admit to God, to another person, the exact nature of my wrongs. I'm honest about who I am. I get to accept who I am. And then I get to move forward. But it's like I'm no longer putting up a facade. Uh, what you see is what you get. And uh, that to me is integrity. Uh, uh, 
So, and, you know, if, if I say I'm a certain way, if I say I'm trying to going to do something, then I, I have to, I have to stick to it. Boy, wouldn't that make a great life if everybody lived a life of integrity? So anyway, um, what haven't I talked about? Well, at the end of the day, I do a ten, I, I, I do a daily inventory and it often winds up going to my food sponsor or when I talk to my step sponsor once a week on Sunday at noon. Uh, and, and that daily inventory is part of the perseverance, uh, behind step 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. The principle is perseverance. We keep doing the deal every day. We do what works. When I relapsed, it's because I was coasting. I figure I got this. And gradually, very gradually, I started gaining weight. And I was coasting. And, you know, when you're coasting, you're going downhill. So now what I say is, you know, I have to keep, I have to keep pedaling. And I have to keep pedaling straight because uh, the ditch next to the road is always the same distance, no matter how far down that road I've gotten. I am now 38 years down the road, but the ditch is the same distance. If I take my eyes off of in front of me, if I lose focus, then I can wander into the ditch. So I have to have perseverance to, to keep doing this. So I mentioned that I, I, uh, I talked to three sponsees in the morning. Uh, I receive emails from two others who send me their food. And then I've got my, my outlier sponsee who calls me on Mondays and Fridays. Um, so that's all to get into the uh, principle of service, which is step 12. So I'm, I'm sponsoring these guys. If somebody asks me to lead a meeting, I lead a meeting. I usually have a service position. Right now I'm coming up on this next quarter. I'm going to be treasurer for my men's group that comes out of New York. Um, on Mondays uh, at, at 7.15 p.m., if anybody wants to join us. Um, so, I, you know, I do service. And, um, and I try and, you know, I, I, the other thing about service, and that I've really learned in program, is, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it because it's a cliche, but everything else I've said is a cliche, so why should I stop? Um, service with a smile. Uh, uh, you know, there are times when, because of my profession, people expect me to be of service all the time. And I have to admit, there are some times when I get resentful. And when I find that, it's helpful for me to remember that one of the principles of this program is service. And that, you know, just do it. Be nice, be kind to the person, do what they, do what's going to be helpful. Don't expect a lot of congratulations. Just do it. And so, you know, being of service is um, the last principle because, as, as we've often heard in program, in order to keep it, we have to uh, give, give it away. And so that's really kind of the heart of service is, is giving it away. Now, the one principle I haven't talked about is the principle behind step four, which is courage. Um, so it's it takes courage to dig into that moral inventory, to actually look at the past and what you've done wrong and be willing to fix it. 
Um, for me, courage, the, the, uh, the Latin root is core. And that's is, it's time. That's it? So it means ha- heart. So for me, it's having a, a, a good heart is what courage is about. And I could talk more about that, but maybe somebody will ask me a question. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. Uh, this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise hand icon. So I'm looking at the participants list, and I see one hand, and that's Andy, Andy V. from New York. You want to unmute and ask your question, Andy? Hi, Frank. Thanks for leading the being this service. Do you have a specific way you pray for others? Uh, hmm. Good question. Uh, yeah, well, I call them to mind, and I call to mind uh, specifically what I'm praying about. I mean, if they're sick or if I'm angry at them or whatever's going on. And then I usually just say a memorized prayer. And I ask God to help them. And and one of the things my sponsor taught me was always pray uh, for the best possible outcome for all concerned. So sometimes people will ask me to pray for something very specific, you know, like just, you know, some just to use a crazy example, you know, pray that I win the lottery. You know, I'm not going to pray that they win the lottery. I'm going to pray for the best possible outcome for all concerned. Janet, that's, hope that answers your question. Good to see you, Andy. Uh, somebody else want to raise their hand? Uh, okay, Peter. Peter W. Hi, thank you, Frank. So good to see you. Um, you talked about how you lost your abstinence because you were becoming complacent. How do you know when you're becoming complacent? It's oh. a very, it's a very gradual thing. How do you sort of recognize that and call yourself out? Okay. Well, it's very, very, I can give you a very specific answer. Uh, World Service gave us a new definition of abstinence, which was working towards or being at a healthy body weight. And I was, I was moving away from a healthy body weight. I was gaining like two pounds a year. And so, you know, it wasn't so much I called myself out on my complacency. I called myself out on the fact that I was gaining weight. And that was like the opposite of the definition. And I cursed the definition. I, you know, I was like mad at world service for getting this so specific that I had to like say, no, nah, I'm in relapse. So anyway, that, that's that. Um, Ellie? Thank you, Frank. Good to see you, and thank you so much for talking about the principles. Um, I'm just curious, due to your profession, was the God of your understanding different before program and after program? 
actually, Ellie, I will now start that speech. Um, <laughs> when I, when I, so uh, kids, children have, have a very basic understanding of God, and I was no different. You know, God is a very black and white thing. God is a judge up in the sky. You do bad, you get punished, you do good, you get rewarded. That was my original God and my understanding. Somewhere along the line, which I think is one of the things that inspired me to become a priest, I realized that God is love, and that hit me in a very visceral way. And so that was always in the background, but God, uh, for, for many years in my young adulthood, young priesthood, God was the boss. God was like the one I reported to. And it was, and it was, uh, just a, 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 a variation of my childhood understanding of God. God was watching me and, you know, was going to correct me when I was wrong and, um, you know, and give me good things when I was, when I did the right thing. Uh, in program, I learned the, uh, G-O-D, good orderly direction. And so I started to think more about God the way I described him during my pitch which is, you know, I pray for direction, and I get the direction, and it works out. So this is the God of love who leads me to do the loving thing, which uh, if I had talked more about courage, I would have said uh, that that core, heart, is also connected uh, not only with courage, but also with, um, you know, love, charity, compassion. And so for me, courage is always doing the loving thing. But the trouble is sometimes the most loving thing is hard, you know, especially when my uh, codependent wants to kick in or when my coward wants to kick in and avoid conflict. So courage means I'm willing to stand up for myself. And uh, that comes, that comes, uh, uh, that that's that's what God wants for me. That's the good orderly direction. I would say that from that stance, the, the, my understanding of God is good orderly direction. I've 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 moved even further um, to this kind of loving universal principle that is creator and uh, goes out of self to create. And going out of self to create is also a definition of love. So it's a, it's a little more, um, nuanced, uh, now. But anyway, the, the basic thing is God wants the best for me and cares for me. Care is part of, was a word in step three. Turn our life and our will over to the care of this loving God, as I understand him. Uh, Joyce Spencer. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Joyce? Oh, Jolene. Sorry. Yeah, okay. That's my mom's name, but that's cool. (laughs) Hi, Frank. Thank you so much for your share. Uh, My question to you is uh, on really difficult days or days when you struggle and you find that you can't get connected to your higher power, how do you – I find I have trouble getting connected to my higher power, and I was just wondering if you had any advice on that to help me get through the day and feel – yeah, that's my question. Thank you. Sure. Um, well, sometimes, you know, you need God with skin. And so, you know, that's, that would be a day when I might call my, my step sponsor 
or just call, like I've got a few friends. I've got this friend from my time in Boston, and um, she's in program, and uh, uh, she's one of the few friends I kept from the four years I was in program in Boston because she's one of the most loving people I know, and she's enthusiastic. And if I call her, that is uh, kind of like connecting with my higher power, you know, because she's going to be, oh, Frank, it's so good to hear from you, you know, and it's kind of like hard to be down when somebody's that excited about having, about talking to you. So, you know, she's kind of like my God with skin on. Uh, thanks for the question, Jolene. Anybody else? Jack, I see your physical hand. Thank you, Frank. Always a pleasure hearing from you. Um, how have postcards played a role in your recovery? <laughs> yeah, okay, that question goes, I think, from the fact that you've known me for a long time. And uh, one time um, I, I was taking a trip across country, and I think this was before the Internet. So this is in the ancient days um, before America Online invented email, you know. And um, I was going across country, and I committed. I went to a meeting, and I said, guys, give me your addresses, and I'm going to write each one of you a postcard uh, on a different day of my trip. And on that postcard, I'm going to put what I ate. So it's kind of like I turned my whole meeting into my food sponsor. So that was, uh, yeah, that's, that was my, uh, that was my postcard, uh, you know, kind of, uh, work, uh, reaching out to people. So th thanks for the question. Um, Cara J. Um, hi, Frank. Thank you so much for your lead. It was amazing. Um, my question for you is how do you, pardon my French, deal with the case of the fuckets? Hmm. Well, I think the first thing is, uh, you know, I've learned in this program, this discover, disclose, discard, discover, disclose, discard. So the first thing is to admit that I've got them and and uh, and that that is not the state that I want to be in. One of my character defects that I've been trying to get rid of is cynicism and sarcasm. And um, the and I connect cynicism and sarcasm with the fuckets in my personality. So uh, I have to admit that's where I'm at. Uh, you know, I'm being sarcastic. I'm being cynical. I don't care. Um, and that's all defense. That's all defense against something. So I have to talk about it. That's the disclose part. Talk about it with somebody else. And then the discard part is the, um, you know, the step six and seven. Say, so, okay, I want to get, I don't want to be here. This doesn't feel good. So, uh, God, please remove this, you know, this feeling of apathy, cynicism, sarcasm, however, whatever, you know, fuckets mean in your life. Uh, Carol, jump in there. Yes, and uh, you're just about at your five-minute warning. Um, thank you. Thank you for your share. Um, 
I know that you spoke about, before about um, envy and jealousy, and I assume since you're human um, that that is something that you grapple with off and on, and I just wonder if you could talk about how you work your program about that, around that. Yeah, well, again, it, you're right. I mean, at a recent show, I did talk about how I was surprised when I discovered I had the defect of character of envy. You know, the other ones, uh, you know, have been with me for, you know, were pretty obvious. Um, but that one was really a, a subtle, you know, torpedo in my spiritual life. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Um you know, I th I think the answer is the principle of humility. Uh, just recognizing that. Thank you. That just just to um, wrap up, I didn't know, but we're ending at nine forty-five, so I am your last person. So please finish your thought. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, girl. Um, so I think it's humility, recognizing I'm you know I'm just one among many. We all have our gifts. We all have our defects. We're some are good at others. And that uh, I just I just have to be a part of the community, and if some people are better at something than I am, well, that's their gift. But you know, I have to concentrate on what my gifts are and what I'm good at, rather than comparing myself. You know that old thing about compare and despair. You know, if I compare myself to somebody else, you know, their their life looks much better than mine. Well, sure, because it's on Facebook. You know, if I was following them around, they'd have just as many problems as I do.